podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. No breaks, no breaks, no fear, no fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome along, I'm Ian Brannan. Great to be back with you this week as we react to some big news on and off the track as British Speedway as a whole rocked by the news that the Wolverhampton Wolves are facing closure at the end of this season. I've been punched up many times in the 36 years I've been there and I usually bounce back up, but this is going to take a few days. More from Chris Van Stratton on the way shortly. Of course, this news comes a week after Peterborough confirmed that their future is in doubt and facing closure at the end of this season as well. We'll hear from British Speedway Promoters Limited's Vice Chairman, Damien Bates. It, it's just a shame, an utter, utter shame that two clubs like that have, have been forced out of their home. More from Damien Bates to come very soon. We're also going to be asking the question, what happens next for the two sides? We'll be speaking to Dave Rowe and Ryan Guest, who have uh, got involvement in uh, both clubs respectively. On the track, another tricky night for Peterborough at the hands of the Bellevue Aces at the East of England Arena. More struggles at number one as their guest failed to score and went down by a 20-point deficit. Meanwhile, a close-run thing at Leicester as the Leicester Lions took on the Ipswich Witches. 43-47 it ended on the night with Emil Saifutinov breaking the track record on his first ever ride around the Pidcock Motorcycles Arena. Well, more from that to come. An alter reaction from a few of the other matches as well. And looking ahead to the upcoming fixtures over the course of the coming week. All on the way on No Breaks, No Fear. No Breaks, No Fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome along to this week's episode then and we'll get into the reaction to the more recent meetings in the second part of the podcast but this week I'm going to start with the big news about Wolverhampton Wolves and um, Wolves receiving notification that Speedway Racing is going to cease at Monmore Green on October 31st this year. Entain Group, they're the company that uh, own the stadium, have uh, announced that the tenancy agreement will not be extended beyond the end of the season. Well, there's been uh, plenty said already about this, not least from uh, the BSPL, the British Speedway Promoters Limited, who said in their statement they're shocked and disappointed to hear the news of the potential closure of Wolverhampton Speedway at the end of this season. More and more Green Club has been informed, as we heard, that their tenancy agreement is not going to be extended. and. The sport came to Wolverhampton in 1928, pretty much when the sport was first invented. Rob Godfrey, chairman of uh, British Speedway Promoters Limited, said, we are all deeply shocked by the news, and I must stress, this was as much of a surprise to us as it was to everyone else when we heard on Monday morning. Uh, there's lots to be said about this, but uh, one thing's clear, that there are plenty of people ready to stand up and fight for the future of Wolves Speedway. Right now, let's hear from Chris Van Stratton, of course, the long-time promoter of Wolverhampton Wolves and pretty much a lifetime in Speedway as well. He has been speaking to BBC Radio WM about how his day went uh, yesterday and uh, how he heard the news and what next. Of course, yes, I'm, I'm kind of knocked over, you know. I mean, the, you know, those children's toys where you kind of bounce back up when you punch it and I've been punched up many times in the 36 years I've been there. Uh, and I usually bounce back up, but this is going to take a few days. You know, it's. Uh, I'm glad the news is now out in the open because I've been carrying this news as a burden on my own uh, since the 16th of March when I was told. Um, now it's out in the open, and there's been a lot of positive reaction, and we've got the local MP on, and and who knows what's what's around the corner. 
But I think, you know, there's no possibility whatsoever of the owners of the stadium changing their minds. And, of course, it's their right. You know, I'm a tenant, and they've given me the statutory notice that this will be the final season. So if if we go back, Chris, because you've been, as I say, you've been holding on to this info for a, about a month. There was a meeting back in March then when... When, when you were told, because there was a, a story as well that you, you'd signed a deal um, yeah. before your contract was in the offing. That's right. That's right. I've got that on my computer. I've begun between their solicitor and myself, and um, I completed my side of it. And um, it was for four years. We've always run on a three-year rolling contract, and the only thing it went out of sync was that year with COVID when we couldn't run. Um and then somehow it's kind of got uh, moved into a four-year deal, which I was delighted about and was going to arrange publicity once it had been signed and all that, because it's a good move for the sport and, and for Wolverhampton Speedway. But that never happened, never came back. And when I was chasing it, I was invited to a meeting with representatives from Entain with a parent company, which you had, which was cordial, you know, very pleasant. You know, they, they have their job to do and uh, was told that this would be the, the final year. It was like literally days away from my press day, and I thought it was the wrong time to announce it then. It would have taken all the all the stuff regarding the team, and then we had some master's benefit shortly after. Yeah. I didn't want to detract from them. So it was agreed that it would be on today, and there's no meeting at Mama Green today, which is a relief, uh, with all due respect to having to meet everybody and, and kind of... I'm in hiding today, if I'm being honest. Um so that everybody can reflect on it. I can reflect on it now. It's in the open and take two or three days to kind of get myself together. But I say there's been a local, lot of local support, which is nice. And I need to kind of digest all this and see what what the future holds. Is is there anywhere else that we could go? Is anybody sitting on 10 acres of land they don't know what to do with in the locality? I don't hold much hope because I was part of the Crater Heath Consortium. And, of course, I spent nine years investigating different sites for the for the beloved heathens, and that came to nothing. So I don't have much hope, but if by any chance there's any, anybody listening in that has a pocket of land they don't know what to do with, then obviously we'd be delighted to hear from them. I mean, it's it's a piece of Black Country Wolverhampton history, Speedway there. I mentioned you've been involved for not far off 40 years. When, when, were the, when, were the, when were the riders aware of what was happening, Chris? Well, not no, nobody was, even my own family was not aware till, till kind of 6 a.m. this morning. I knew this was right. going out at 10 a.m. I, I hadn't got, I wasn't brave enough to sit my children. Their whole life has been evolved around the Speedway for the years I've been there. And I wasn't brave enough to kind of sit them down. And, and so I took the coward's way out and they had a message a few hours before the news broke. The same with the riders. They were told they were told at the same time. So I've been carrying this secret. My wife knew almost immediately because she could tell the way my mood had changed. Um, but we've been carrying that secret now since the 16th of March. And it's a relief that it's out in the open. And now, you know, people understand well, I've been a bit short-fused with him over the last three weeks. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it's it's a piece of news that has been almost impossible for, for you to carry single-handedly o- over that time. What, what's been yeah. the what's been the reaction of the riders? Well, obviously they they didn't ex- nobody expected it. The secret no. was um, you know so kept so tightly, which I must thank Entain for as well. And 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 I must stress that the local stadium people it was such a shock to them as well. We've always had a tremendous relationship with the stadium and the, and the staff. 
the management staff at Monmouth Green Stadium, and I'm sure that will continue. It was it was a culture shock to them as well, and I want that relationship to continue. You know, we're going to be there this year, and we're going to do everything to continue with a good show. And who knows? Somebody said, well, this this actually, you know, perhaps we can reconsider. I don't think they will, but we want to remain positive. We want to put on a good show. And uh, wouldn't it be nice if it is our final season that we have some success in the final season? But... Well, we've had a fair bit of feedback already, Chris, in terms of what's happening. People saying, you know, it's it's just, it's not on, it's not right. But when you look at Speedway at the moment, Coventry, I think, still fighting to regain their track. Peterborough facing the prospect of losing theirs later this year. So that there are there are some concerns for Speedway fans generally as well now. Indeed, it's a noisy sport. It's it's um, you know difficult sports more to uh, encompass into a residential area. We understand, we understand all that. So it's not the easiest place to find venues for. If you develop a new venue, which I've done at Red Car, you're right in the industrial heartland. You know, so it's not it's not easy um, to do that. I've always I'm not a political animal, but I've always felt that there should be some support for sporting grounds that there should be some kind of legislation that you can't develop sporting ground. And I was involved when Cradle Heath was first developed, and we tried to save that. But the value as a sporting ground compared to development is minuscule. You know, there's no comparison. And and I thought there should be some legislation that if you, you have a sporting ground of, of a certain acreage, for you to develop that, you either have to you have to provide a similar acreage within a 10-mile radius or something. You know, it's, it's a tragedy that sporting grounds are being allowed to be developed. And I don't blame the people that own them because, you know, what, what offer are you going to take? You're going to take the highest. But I do firmly believe that there should be some legislation. And um, I was very interested that one of the first people on make contact with me was Pat McFagan, the local MP, mm. and obviously I will be having discussions with him when I've got my head straight in the next few days. You said uh, you know, a few minutes ago you're not hopeful, but you never know. I mean, as Chris in Starbridge here said, come on, Chris, we've got to fight. We love Speedway. When Cradley closed, it was decertification. Yes, I, I understand that, but but when you're a tenant, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, but, you know, I did warn them when I sat down with these people. I said, I think you've underestimated the public response when this is announced. And they said, well, they've done their homework. They're prepared for that. So, you know, they, let, they will see all this public response, presumably, you know, and uh, maybe there might be a change of heart. But I have to be realistic. And, you know, I don't think so, because in my initial discussions with them, I try, I try to obviously obtain that, you know. Um, but but I couldn't. I couldn't move them. I don't hold much hope. So I think the more realistic side is that is there somewhere there we could develop where we are the main tenants and the tracks that are surviving and are successful in this country is where they are the main tenant. Our closest track, once we go at the top level, will be Leicester, and they are very much the sole tenant of the stadium at Leicester, so they control what goes on. And I think we, you know, we have to try and develop if possible, more stadiums like that. But because of the price of land, you know, we have to have some kind of regulation uh, to retain it as a sporting complex. 
So there's Chris Van Stratton, the promoter of Wolves Speedway, and obviously it's been a, a very difficult week, few weeks for him by the sounds of it, and the news that Wolves' tenancy agreement with the stadium owners at Monmore is being cancelled, and Speedway therefore will end at the end of this season, and even more frustrating that they had a four-year agreement in their hands, signed and returned, and then that was cancelled uh, to uh, be swapped for an eviction notice, in effect. Now, uh, let's speak to Ryan Guest, who is no stranger to this podcast, of course, does loads and loads of interviews for us, um, and he's a well-known figure on a number of tracks where he's a centre-green announcer, sometimes at Wolves, uh, but also at Birmingham and Sheffield and... But what the area you grew up in, um, Ryan, uh, your, your background is centred around Wolves. You know, family used to take you there. You used to go to a lot of the tracks in in, in the West Midlands, I think, as, as you grew up, didn't you? But um, tell us about what what Wolves means to you and, and where your memories of it go back to. Yeah, I mean, I was born in uh, in Quarry Bank, which is is literally five minutes from from the old Dudley Wood Stadium. Um, and up until the age of three, I was taken every single week to, to watch the Heathens. Not that I can uh, remember much at that age. And I know, like the, the still a photo which which haunts me to today, when I, I suddenly became the uh, baby face of the Save Cradley Speedway campaign. Um, but we all know what uh, what sadly happened next. And, and growing up, apart from having a, a picture of me as a, a toddler with Billy Amel on his bike on on my bedroom wall, I, I didn't really know what what the sport was. But yeah, in, in 2004, when I was 12, uh, my mum was going away and my, my two elder brothers had, had started going to Speedway again. And I can remember them on the on the Monday night that said they were going to take me along with them. And it was the uh, the Elite League playoff quarterfinal against uh, the Oxford Silver Machine, as they were then. Um, and, and Wolves ease passed, passed them on that one. And uh, quite ironically, it was Hamill and, and Greg Hancock on the opposition side that night. And that meant my second ever meeting was that that famous 2004 semi-final against Ipswich, where Michael Max beat Hans Anderson in the runoff to to go through to the grand final. Um, and from that moment, I, I was hooked. And, and ever since, Monday nights have have always been about going to to watch Speedway at Monmouth Green. Now, not only was it a, a fantastic night out that. I always got excited about uh, during the day, whether whether it was when I was at school or going into college or whatever. But up until I started working in the sport, blimey, what was that, uh, nine years ago now, it was a chance to socialise with, with family and friends. And, and that was a, an added dimension to it all. And I know without even asking anyone that that side of it is a big important, a big important part to what 99% of Speedway supporters in the UK, I guess, and... That's socialising with, with family and friends, as I say, and it is a way of life, and, and to so many, their lives revolve around going to the Speedway on a Monday night or, or following the team away on a Thursday, and it's years of not only the, their own lives, but of relatives and, and generations of their families that are, have undoubtedly passed through the, the Monmore turnstiles over the, the, the past 95 years, and um, obviously having so much to do with Wolverhampton, as you've said, one of the the oldest speedway clubs in the world, one of the, the the most successful too, I think. And we should also add in a in a city like like Wolverhampton, they they genuinely are probably the the second biggest sporting club in the region. I, I'm almost certain of saying that. And it's like I say, it's such a shame because it, it, it's years of heritage and and tradition and and culture that's just been ripped away from the the lives of so many people, and and also the heart of the city without any real warning almost and. I think the most shocking part of it all to everyone was the fact it was it was Wolves. 
because with with all due respect, some clubs and announced they're going to be closing, and it's not entirely a surprise. You, you've kind of seen it coming for for some time, and you often deep down known that that the writing was on the wall, perhaps. But with Wolves, certainly. They've always been built on solid foundations with a, a good working relationship with the, the, the Labrook staff and management based at Monmouth Green. I don't know, it's still really, really difficult to, to even comprehend a, a British Speedway season without Wolverhampton being involved. Now, it's a good point you make about the community aspect of it because we talk about the, the demographic of the British Speedway fan and it, it is older, but for many of those you know they've they've gone their whole lives uh you know long time friends are there it's a key part of their their social calendar and there's that side of it that that they'll lose as well let alone obviously the racing and everything else but you know there is that social aspect for for many people and that's a, you know a huge part of the community a huge part of their lives yeah i mean there's a, there's a lot of clubs out there who have um have disappeared at periods and and then and then came back but uh, there's clubs going now uh, which have skipped a generation almost, but Wolverhampton has been a, a constant in the city, in the community. And you look across the, the terraces at Mama Green on a Monday night and you, you can see the, the, the three or four different generations with with uh, kids and the parents and, and grandparents. And I know some families have also got the great-grandparents who still go as well. And like you say, in a, in a city like Wolverhampton, it just hits that bit harder because, like I say, it has been a... A constant. It does mean a lot to the people. Um, I know the vast majority of Speedway fans are your, your typical working class uh, people, right down to earth as well, who who, who just go for for the sake of the socialising and the sport, as we've said. And it's just. Like I say, it's just a massive shame, and it's just come out of the blue, out of nowhere. And I know when uh, when Chris was was speaking there as well, he he said he's been sitting on the news for for over a month, and I. I I just think, how has he managed to keep such such a big a big thing to himself? Particularly, he mentioned his own family as well. I mean, the, the his two boys and the whole family. He's got his grandkids who who love going in the in the replica race jackets on on race night as well. And it's yeah, it's like I say, so soon after the the news broke, it's still still hard to comprehend, really. And you're feeling like many Wolves fans will be, uh, I would imagine, like like many Speedway fans are, because Wolves have just always been there, pretty much, in one form or another, um, certainly over the last 40 years, pretty much. Um, what now then for the club, with your press officer's hat on for Wolves? Um, Chris Van Stratton seems fairly resigned that this is going to be the end, but is there a way forward, uh, you hope? Because there's a lot of people starting to sign these petitions and some waves being made and MPs are getting in touch. What, what uh, are you hoping in the in the short term? I can totally understand why Chris doesn't hold high hopes. Um, it's rare that these situations do take a, a U-turn when, when a group of people are, are so adamant on a decision in the first place, but... Um, Chris also did say that he thinks he's underestim- they have underestimated sorry, the, um, the reaction from the public. And as you've said, with the, the petition, the messages on social media, uh, I'm sure that the people at the group are going to have received emails over the past 24, 48 hours as well, directly to, to express concerns. Who knows? Um, the, the reaction in, in the public has been phenomenal and I know Chris I know he's gone into hiding for a few days but even he will be blown away by the reaction that the news has got 
Um, you've got the local MP, Pat McFadden, who's always thrown his, his weight and support behind uh, the Wolverhampton Wolves anyway. But also the, the leader of the council got involved straight away. And um, like you say, the, the, the publicity side is going to be absolutely huge. And look, everyone's got to respect the way that Chris wanted to go about it, how he kept it to himself for so long, um, how he arranged for it to, to be... Uh, to be going out on a on a specific date, or at least uh, agreed with them anyway, with their press release. And like you say, look, we're, at Wolverhampton, we are very fortunate. The the Express and Star newspaper give give the club some absolutely fantastic coverage, as do BBC Radio WM as well. So we've always had their support, and I mean, even the the added coverage they've got over the past couple of days just with this news has been extraordinary, really. And it's quite sad that it either takes immense glory or um, an absolutely tragic story to to get the likes of BBC Midlands Today or ITV Central involved, but they even covered it on on Monday tea time as well. And like you say, if if enough people kick up a fuss, then then who knows? Maybe it might just uh, make them con- consider the decision. You never know. So, for anybody listening to this now, what can people do to help Wolves out at, at this moment in time? Obviously, the the online petition petitions. I, I know it's just putting your name down and and, and signing something, but that's just the, the the start of it. And I know already the they've obviously got the Wolfpack support team. Um, they've got <laughs> they've got so many supporters who have suddenly, um, for one reason or another, have, have disappeared away from the support from the sport who have now suddenly come back out and, and really want to really want to fight and show these people what what the Wolverhampton Wolves mean to people in that local community so signing the petition is just the start of anything but the more voices that are heard um and the more people who we're not saying bombard the group of course we're not because uh, that's that's not necessarily the the right way to go about anything but Putting things out on on social media and just like I say, turning out in in numbers maybe for the the rest of the season as well, and showing them just just how many people um, care about Speedway in Wolverhampton. That's just that's just. There's going to be so many ways, and um, look, it's going to be constantly going around in the media now, even surrounding the uh, the, the current meetings as well. And I'm sure next Monday at Mama Green when Leicester are in town. Who knows? <laughs> Could be the biggest crowd we, we've seen at Monmouth Green for a long time, just based on on the back of the news that came out earlier this week. If there is an upside, um, at least there's six months ahead here before the club closes down, um, which is a long time. You know, this announcement could have been made later, and they could have sat on it for a lot longer and and less time to react. But a full six months, pretty much the whole season here, and an opportunity for for people to show what Speedway means to them, and an opportunity to to show the the people in charge of the stadium that actually there is a demand for Speedway at Wolverhampton, which we know there is, but we need to show them. Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, I mentioned the Wolfpack Speedway support team there as well. They were. Um, they're already well active behind the scenes anyway in terms of uh, trying to boost the profile of the club and look after the uh, longevity and the, the, the future of the club as well. And I know this is slightly, uh, well, more than slightly out of their hands, but nevertheless, I know they'll be ramping things up. Um, and as I say, there's that many people who care, genuinely care about Wolverhampton Speedway. They will be, they'll be plotting things and, and, and planning things to, to get things in, um, in, in a process to, like I say, just just show people that, that Wolverhampton Wolves is needed within the local community. And as you said, 
with so long to go as well, um, I know there were a lot of people on the on the outside, maybe even some on the inside, who who had written Wolverhampton off in 2023, but they have made an absolutely fantastic start to this Premiership campaign, and the riders will have been determined to to prove people wrong anyway. They were happy to be the the underdog were the Wolves, my, excuse the pun. Um, but nevertheless, who knows? This could make the riders even more determined because. Um, with, without without upsetting too too many people here, uh, there's not exactly a, a large amount of successful sports teams in Wolverhampton. I might be talking with a, a biased head on on another front there, but like I say, probably behind Wolverhampton Wanderers Football Club, the second biggest sporting team in the region. And if they could somehow get success this year and show everyone, like I say, they've already got the council support, so that's that's one thing in their favour, but. Um, who knows, a, success, a successful campaign on track could go a, a big way to, to protecting the future as well. You never know. As Chris Van Stratton alluded to in his interview, and I don't think many people realise necessarily that um, Chris Van Stratton was one of the people involved with Redcar um, moving to where they, they currently are and, and building the facility there. Um, and he's you know involved in that promotion obviously more in the background than he is at uh, at Wolves. But he has got experience of building a new track in a place that the Speedway Club is in, in charge of their own destiny in an area where, well, I mean, there's another motorcycle, uh, motocross track next door t- to Redcar. So it's, it's a part of the town that's familiar with the sound of bikes. Ideal place to be. And he's been there, seen it and done that side of it as well. I guess he's seen both sides of it, uh, both sides of the coin, hasn't he? Obviously, he was involved with the uh, the Cradley Heathens project, obviously with with um, of course Nigel and, and Gary Patchett, and I know Will Pottinger was involved there. And they, trust me, <laughs> I know some some Heathens fans are adamant they didn't try hard enough, but trust me, I I used to hear the conversations. I was involved in in bits behind the scenes, not as much as others, but they they really did try and. Trying to find the right land, obviously now because it's a noisy sport, as, as Chris touched upon there, and I know he's got his say on the the legislation side of things and, and all of that, but it's not easy. But the Cradley Heathens thing didn't work out because, as I've said, the, there's just so many reasons behind it. But he can also turn to the red car side where he has been successful. Maybe he can keep that hope. Obviously, Chris is now at a, a different stage of life. Is the is the is the best way of putting it. He has gone through so much, not only in speedway terms, but on on a personal level over the past decade or, or two decades as well. And at this stage of life, who who knows? He, look, he does live. He lives for the sport. His family lives for the sport, and and I'm sure that will that will help keep pushing him on as well. But when I did manage to speak to him on Monday, I've never heard him so so deflated. And there's been there's been occasions along the way where where things have happened out of the blue and casual postponements, which of course, as a promoter, cause you a, a lot of uh, a lot of distress at the time. But genuinely, I'd never heard him so so disheartened, and he al- he almost felt. He almost felt embarrassed that he was at the centre of it when realistically it's got nothing to do with him. I know speaking to Chris, it's got to be five or six weeks ago now. The the four-year lease that, that he has touched upon, it always used to be this three-year rolling contract. They they offered him a, a fourth and it was there. And we had, got th- we had got things in place to be announced 
almost imminently. And like I said, that that was what five five six weeks ago or whatever it was now. So yes, when when I didn't hear anything else off Chris in that time, I was suspicious. But look, <laughs> these things happen. I've been in enough lease conversations with promoters and, and stadium owners in in recent years to know that's just the way it goes sometimes and yeah like I say a, a, a massive shock but if, if anyone if anyone's got the experience to to to, to build on something then surely it's Chris Van Strassen with uh, with not only his years in the sport but everything he's seen both good and bad on the the Cradley and Rickard side. Okay, Ryan Guest, a press officer at Wolves, uh, among many other hats that you wear. And uh, thanks very much for joining us. And we'll also hear from Ryan very soon because uh, he's done plenty of interviews for this podcast as well. Uh, right now, we'll turn the spotlight on Peterborough Speedway, another club whose future is in doubt. Of course, we know about uh, the Nicky Pedersen situation, but also in that statement was the news that uh, their future also is in doubt at the end of this year. And as things stand at present, very sadly, this will be our last year, reads the statement. We have a contract with the showground until the end of October, and at this stage, it's highly unlikely that this will be renewed. We've spoken to several people regarding the potential for a new site, but the club would need significant help with that, as it would essentially involve building a new stadium. Our intention is to carry on fighting for as long as possible to keep Peterborough Speedway in Peterborough, but as it stands now, the Speedway will cease in October. That is the statement that the club puts out. Uh, let's hear from uh, Dave Rowe, who uh, can speak to us about uh, Peterborough Speedway and um, also similar to, to Ryan Handel, some of the um, press duties as far as Peterborough are concerned as well. And uh, Dave, just give us a bit of background, first of all, because there has been this threat looming over Peterborough for quite some time. Uh, what is the situation? Yeah, well, everyone, Ian, is aware of the the showground site. It's a, it's a massive site, and, and people have seen um, development move closer over the years. But the uh, the actual activity of the of the stadium has continued, and obviously still holds uh, many major shows during the year. But that will end come this summer, and that's been planned for a while now. And the speedway um, towards the back end of last season, last September managed to uh, negotiate with the site owners successfully to secure one further year, i.e. 2023, to race at the showground. So whilst the showground will close for its major shows this July, the Speedway will continue until September, October time. Um, That's the one-year deal, and as far as we we know, and certainly all the latest information is that that will not be um, extended any, any further, um, now there is a, it's gone in very, very recently, an outline planning application. There's been, been plenty in the Peterborough media in the last year or so about exactly what the owners intend to do with the site. The outline application has gone in in the last couple of weeks. It is very different to um, to what was initially mooted, but the the fundamental part of it is it's been very much branded as a leisure-led development. Obviously there is substantial housing attached to that as well, but this is a situation where the whole ethos of the site will will change from from what it was to uh, obviously obviously housing but also other leisure facilities and that gets the site owners around one of the key contentions of, of planning legislation in that if you uh, cease a facility a speedway site as it currently is a speedway stadium then you need to provide or one of the criteria you can get your planning through on is that uh, you provide a facility that is deemed to exceed in value or community value what it's replaced 
and that is why this is being very much branded as leisure-led. Developers tend to learn from their experiences elsewhere where things have and haven't worked, and that's why you'll see everything to do with Peterborough is being talked about, the leisure aspect being the main part of this development, when, of course, being cynical... 1500 houses or however many it is uh, you would suggest that is uh, really the the main drive towards this happening but that's what's uh, that's what the outline application does there's an awful long way to go before an outline application becomes a full application and becomes uh, passed but of course if the speedway closes at the end of october they've had their extra year of grace if you like from the the site owners and you could argue that a site that's currently sat still doing nothing for a year or two years or whatever uh, eventually ultimately becomes easier to to develop because you can then bring some value back to it you're involved in the fight to save coventry speedway so you have a bit of experience when it comes to speedway clubs and trying to get them back in business either at their present home or, or another one people will say well why not get some other land? Why can't we speak to the council and and tell them to to find us a new home if they're giving the planning permission away? What what's your response to to that idea? Because it's obviously it's a simple fix in theory. We've had those discussions over over Coventry at times. Although in, in the case of Coventry, um, the councils have been uh, very reluctant to discuss anything regarding land whilst the existing stadium is still there. It almost becomes a a circular, circular argument in, in many ways. Um, you mentioned the, the ledger situation, and it, it is. It will be interesting to see exactly what the components are, but it will doubtless be be driven towards what you would describe as community well-being, that that sort of thing. Um, as I say, the developers are learning, uh, and with Coventry, they attempted to get round Coventry on the grounds of viability, failed completely. Um, so then they shifted. There's three possible plans of attack. One is viability. One is to actually go and provide a new site for the sport that they're displacing, but they don't tend to do that. So they've gone on number three, which is the the leisure. You mentioned the all-weather pitch they're planning at Coventry, which got thrown out by the council. We're waiting to find out whether an appeal will come in on that. They've got to the middle of May to to appeal. So the, the developers are learning what to do, and they're learning the kinds of things that uh, may... You know, may in the end get uh, get passed through. As for councils providing land, I know there is there is talk of land uh, in the Peterborough area, um, not too far from the showground. That 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 has been that has been mooted. Um, certainly, I know there are there are people um, working hard at Peterborough to try and uh, you know there's a group together formed to try and get something sorted. Uh, but obviously, the, the clock is ticking because if you talk about uh, acquiring some land putting an application, getting your permission, then building your stadium, which costs you money, even if it's a fairly basic stadium to start with. And we're talking here in April 23, needing to, to start in March 24, if you're not going to take time out. So very, very difficult from all angles. So what now for Peterborough? What is the, the plan in the short term? Hopefully we'll find out more in the next few weeks, as I say, when this uh, if this group uh, that they have uh, have got together and now some fairly influential people on that um, can can report back. But as, as things stand, the, the, the picture is the picture is fairly bleak unless they can uh, somehow achieve um, something extra for for next year. But I think if if they were to be looking at a, a year by year extension as things stand, and I stress that that looks unlikely um, as things stand. But if they were to to achieve something like that, there has to be some long term goal at the end of it because clearly the showground we felt. 
probably two or three years ago, it might have about five years uh, of, of life remaining as its current venue. Well, that's been pulled back. The, the, that's been um, the, the de- development's been accelerated. That, that's that's quite clear. And you get the feeling it, it will probably happen at some stage. Although there will doubtless be a great deal of local unhappiness about the ideas that are being put forward because they're basically um, proposing a new town in the area and with all the requirements that's going to need for infrastructure that's a battle that will be fought locally but it doesn't bring the speedway back if they've already closed it so really difficult situation and somehow you have to crack that conundrum of the the circular issue of 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 saying well okay this the, the site is still here for now but it's clearly looks like it stays a number speedway wise so is there a way of compromising this situation and getting something else happening whilst it's still running as it is we've seen here uh well two cases this last fortnight of of two clubs who don't own their own stadiums who are not in charge of their destiny and then getting basically turfed out by whoever decides and it's that's their right but does this raise further questions about any speedway club that don't own their own stadium I think it does. We're seeing uh, surprises, uh, and clearly Wolverhampton was the, was the biggest surprise of all. Because if you're making a list of um, of clubs that you would think uh, wouldn't be under threat, then then certainly Wolverhampton, albeit they are tenants of uh, of Monmore Green, you you wouldn't have expected them to be on the list of under threat, let alone being told with about six months' notice that that you won't you won't go any further forward. So yes, it's something that that has to be looked at um, because obviously we can't. We don't want to lose tractors, as, as um, Rob Godfrey mentioned on uh, on Monday when he talked about Wolverhampton. That that was obviously in in, res- in response to the Wolverhampton news, but it was very much a, a situation looking at other tracks as well. Um, the aim is to grow the sport, and we're going to see Workington back this year, which looks a tremendous facility. Great work being done there. There was some bad news over Eastbourne recently, but I know there's some other places where where there is a bit more encouragement. So that and that's the plan, but. Um, yeah, it's just the message, I think, from Wolverhampton has been, unfortunately, at the moment, if you're not in control of your destiny, then you, there's no guarantees. Premier League Greyhound Racing is the main reason that uh, Speedway is having to give way for, for more Greyhounds. Um, with the rise of this Premier League Greyhound Racing, obviously a lot of Speedway tracks are based at Greyhound stadiums, do we see this same threat coming to darken the doors of other Speedway clubs? I think we'll find out more on that in the pretty near future. I think the one thing that, that frustrates me about Wolverhampton more than anything is that what they're proposing there, this new premium scheme, is not actually aimed at the local community at all. Obviously, if you're local community, you can go to Greyhound if you enjoy it, night out, meal, bit of betting, whatever. But this is aimed at a completely separate market, you know, many thousands of miles away. It's completely aimed at the, at the betting market. So that... So you can't say that what's being done there or proposed there is really benefiting the local community at all, which is a massive frustration. We've seen in the uh, in the last few years um, the demise of Newcastle, um, who had stadium issues. Um, obviously, there were team issues too in the end last year, which probably exacerbated things. But we also saw Kent have to move out of Central Park. Um, Kent, Newcastle, and indeed Birmingham, all owned by the same company. Uh, Birmingham good to see are, are continuing there's been a lot of work there on a on a relationship with with the stadium which i think at the moment is fairly fairly stable but then of course you have news of other possibilities at birmingham anyway um with maybe councils or others um having alternative ideas for the stadium probably i wouldn't say short term i'd say more medium to long term on that um but as far as greyhound venues are concerned clearly that industry is changing as well and maybe that 
era of of people going out from here at the Greyhounds. Maybe that is coming to an end at the moment, and, and people are looking to exploit different markets. And it still seems crazy to me that Wolverhampton Speedway, that would run once every fortnight or twice, two or three times a month, there wouldn't be space for them to run a maximum of 20 meetings per season out of a year of 365 days. They don't do any damage to the site. They they pay all their bills. They run everything properly. Um, I, I am absolutely astonished that even if you are rebranding Monmore Green Stadium for this premium greyhounds, that you couldn't have the scope to include Speedway as well. And that will be something that other clubs who are based at greyhound venues are going to have to be looking at. And onto the effect that this has on British Speedway as a whole, obviously two major clubs, uh, Wolves and Peterborough, but two clubs in the Premiership as well, which is already a fairly small league. What are the early indications as to what this may lead to as far as British Speedway as a whole is concerned? I don't think anyone would um, agree or would feel that uh, a Premiership with five clubs is remotely viable. It simply isn't going to happen. Um that's even before you talk about the TV deal. So if both of those clubs were to were to go and weren't rehomed and simply weren't competing next year, then undoubtedly there would have to be a look at some kind of a a restructure, whether that involved other clubs coming up or I, I, I'm I'm st- I've still I've always been somewhat sceptical of the idea of one big league. Um, uh, it's been tried before, albeit there were more clubs in the in the mid nineties. There were twenty or twenty one clubs at the time, and it it, it never worked out. You, it was very difficult for clubs with different agendas, different strengths, to really marry up together. So I still think, if at all possible, a two tier structure is is the way to go in terms of senior racing and then whatever you do uh, in development racing as well. I think that that's going to have to be the way to go. But there'll have to be some, some serious thinking about, because as I say, you can't, you cannot credibly run a league of five. Six was the absolute minimum. And really that was six because of COVID at the time. And, and it didn't work out too badly, uh, especially with, with the reduced fixture list and the, the travel issues and the late start in 21. That, that didn't work too badly. But everyone was so pleased the Premiership to see Leicester come up this year and take it to seven. The fixture list in that league looks looks far more uh, credible. You have we now have Mondays and Thursdays where there are two or three meetings taking place. Lots of action, lots of good racing already. And uh, to then see that knock back to five, you're gonna have to have um, some more in that league in the top league. Uh, even as I say, even before you talk about the implications for the TV deal. So again, um, they're gonna have to know by mid-season what is likely to happen with these two clubs whose future appears to be very much in doubt as to where we sit for 24. And one or two people also asking if um, ground sharing in effect would work for any of these speedway clubs certainly in a short-term agreement for for Wolves or for Peterborough is that something that may be a prospect at all? I'm sceptical simply because it's very rarely worked in the past, the only place it worked was was Cradley at uh, Wolverhampton running National League. But you look at the other examples, um, Coventry, National League at Leicester, absolute disaster, as as, we, as many people always thought it would be. Um, Cradley at Stoke in the mid-90s didn't work out. And you look at the options, so if you take Peterborough and Wolverhampton as, as the two that we're really discussing, well, Wolverhampton, the only real option there is Birmingham um, locally and Birmingham have issues over the number of meetings they can stage in one season anyway, so I don't think you could sustain two senior clubs, even if you could get round the issue of 
lack of attendance or, or whatever, or tr- travel difficulties. So I think at the moment Birmingham are limited to 20, 20 meetings per season, so you couldn't run two senior tracks there. Um, that's a non-starter. And Peterborough, um, well, the options, I guess, are Kings Lynn, which is the same promotion, but again, it's it's... Peterborough to Kingsland is 40 miles, but it's not the easiest of, of journeys, and you, you can't see Peterborough fans travelling that distance uh, all the time. Um, Leicester isn't a million miles away. Leicester's the, one, the, the facility that is open for business, or could be open for business um, pretty much every day of the week. Uh, but again, is that is that viable? Are you, are you going to get the crowds for the club racing outside their own town? And history suggests that's, that's not the case. Dave Rowe there uh, speaking to us on No Breaks, No Fear. We'll also hear more from Dave very soon because he was at the East of England Arena as the Peterborough Panthers took on the Bellevue Aces on Monday. So reaction from that meeting to come and also from Leicester where the Leicester Lions took on the Ipswich Witches in the uh, Premiership Knockout Cup. More on that to come. But as we get into part two, we will hear from the Deputy Chairman of the BSPL, British Speedway Promoters Limited, Damien Bates, on the Wolves and Peterborough situations, and also Speedway as a whole. And uh, some of the reasons that he is optimistic that uh, some clubs are going to have a good year this year, whilst others, of course, are finding themselves in some trickier situations. Uh, Details with Damien Bates in the next part of No Breaks, No Fear. No brakes, no fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Into part two of No Breaks, No Fear this week. And if you are new to the podcast, well, welcome. Uh, don't forget to like or subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of the previous episodes. And if you have missed some previous episodes, you can go back and listen to them whenever you like. And whilst we are talking about individual meetings, there is usually uh, a main guest in the episodes who hopefully brings you some entertainment, whether you're listening uh, in the season now or whether you're listening to this long after the season's finished. You'd be surprised how many people listen to the old episodes through the winter. It's like thousands of people listen through the course of the closed season, listening to uh, match reports of of, uh, meetings that have long since gone, but uh, hopefully people finding some valuable information uh, from our guests that we have each week as well. And right now, let's hear from Damien Bates, who is the Deputy Chairman of uh, the BSPL, British Speedway Promoters Limited, which is all of the promoters together all of the clubs together uh, and um of course Damien is involved with with Leicester and with uh, with Sheffield but uh, of course looking at that news involving Wolves and Peterborough and of course uh, everybody at uh, BSPL was as shocked as as you were everybody read it about the same time as everyone else did when this news was announced about the closure of Wolves um only Chris Van Stratton knew really in advance and the news came out and it rocked the speedway world here is Damien Bates speaking with Ryan Guest firstly Peterborough um you know we as a as a a league and a, a group of all clubs we, we always knew there was something on the horizon with Peterborough um but you you know we never knew the full ins and outs of it um, and it was just when obviously the the, the broke the story with Nicky, um, obviously not wanting to return due to his personal reasons or you know whatever it is, and and they also about the future of Peterborough, which is it's it's a massive shame because you know you look at the Peterborough Stadium, um, the club, um, and I know Keith's worked extremely hard when he took it over and to keep the club going you know I take me out off to Keefe he 
he, he never shies away from a challenge and, and taking Peterborough on at the time. Um, invest a lot of money to keep it in the league. You know, like I said, take me off to him. Um, but the news that it's it's going, it, it's 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 just a massive shame. And um, hopefully, I know there's there's murmurings of there's potentially could be some land. I don't know if if what well, just what I've heard on on Grapevine. You know, hopefully they can find someone and they can get a new venue because to lose Peterborough, um, massive massive loss that would be. Um, and obviously, then we've got news on 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 Monday that with Wolverhampton, um, speechless really regarding that because I think Wolverhampton's been going over hundred years. Um, Chris and Pete Adams do such a great job at um, Wolverhampton, especially in difficult times, which we are at the moment, um, and it's just a it's just a shock. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of everything. Um, I'm sure stuff will come out um, the next few weeks of, of potentially what can happen, what's going to happen, if there's anywhere else they can go or um, whatever Chris is 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 thinking about. But um, it, it's just a shame, an utter, utter shame that two clubs like that have, have been forced out of their home for so many years due to um, other, other reasons that, you know, that I don't think anybody will actually know what they are, but it's 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 massive to lose two clubs of that of that stature. Yeah, as as vice chairman and obviously the, as a, a group of board of directors as well, though you you can obviously understand um, supporters generally across British Speedway their their, their concerns when two clubs announce that in such a short space of time. Yeah, it's it's a concern for supporters, um, other clubs, uh, everybody involved in Speedway. Um, because I said that they're two clubs that we have a massive history um, um, uh, to two of the biggest clubs that there is in Speedway and to lose them in such a short space of time is like pff, unbelievable really but we'll, we'll support both clubs um, as, a, as, a, as a company and, um, and, and directors and, and everybody will pull together and whatever we can do, if we can help them in any way, we will. I'm, I'm, you know, there's no question about that whatsoever. Um, I just really hope that we can find something for both clubs um, and, and try and get them on track, keep them on track. You know, only a couple of years ago we lost Swindon, which, again, you know, I know Terry... And, and people that are winning there, they're trying to find somewhere uh, and they keep looking. So hopefully Peterborough and Wolverhampton can do exactly the same. Like you say, it's only natural to, to be concerned when such news breaks as well. But nevertheless, uh, British Speedway, we've got uh, some, some big name riders back in the Premiership this year. Um, other, other developments all the time as well. And um, even in these tough times, it's important to, to stay optimistic about the future. Yeah, it's you know the 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 Premiership. I'll speak about the Premiership. You know, they've we've we've as a group we we um, got Phil Morrison um, a CEO, which you know we all felt we needed some help, some direction, and and Phil's professionalism. What, what Phil brought in for his professionalism and the jobs that he, he has in in FIM. You know, it was a no-brainer to to get get him in and. The stuff he's doing already behind the scenes, I can see a massive difference. Uh, which you know, stuff will come apparent in due time. But this stuff happening, he's doing a marvelous job already. Ipswich have 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 got 
probably, I'd say, the biggest name Spearway rider in the last 10 years to come to Britain, um, Emil. And, and, you know, he, he started off as a... He started off brilliantly, and you can see what a class act he is, and, and they retained Jason Doyle again. Unbelievable rider. And, and you look at the teams coming through. I know Peterborough had that issue with Nicky, but to get Nicky to sign, to get him here, you know, I know how much work goes into... Signing riders like that, you know, I've I, had, I signed Nicky a couple of years ago at Sheffield, which obviously season got cancelled. Um, you know, I've got Jack, a, a, a Grand Prix rider at um, Sheffield. There's also Max down at Leicester. The, these are top top riders, and and to have them in the league is is really really good, and and everybody's working hard for it. And it's just a shame that this news of the last few days and weeks has just put a bit of a dampener on it all. Yeah, um, just finally though, it's it's important, like I say, to, to remain optimistic and, and positive. And uh, I know time, times are hard with obviously the, the cost of living and all things like that. But nevertheless, this really is a, a big season for, for supporters to get out there and, and support the local team as, as much as they can and, and show the local authorities just how much Speedway means to local communities. Yeah, you've just said there, cost of living is it's difficult for everybody in all walks of life. Um, no matter, you know, if you've got no money, you've got plenty of money. It, it's still difficult because it's it's everything's just increasing week on week, month on month, and um, you know, spirit fans come and they pay the handed money to, to to clubs to to support them, which I, I know myself personally, it, it, the appreciation is unbelievable because um, I know how difficult it can be, um, and the clubs have, have tried responding, um, like I said, by signing some good big names. Um, you know, to, to justify people paying the money because you know that's what we need to do. If people are spending the money, we need to help out and and try and give the best for for them to support the local teams. Which you know, it's massive that people do turn out and and support the local teams. Um, and hopefully, Wolverhampton and Peterborough local councils MPs they'll see that and hopefully they'll, they 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 can step in and and help their clubs in them situations. Damien Bates, the Deputy Chairman of the British Speedway Promoters Limited, and uh, Damien was speaking as his side, the Leicester Lions, were in action against the Ipswich Witches, and Emil Saifutinov smashed the Leicester track record as Ipswich progressed to the Knockout Cup semi-finals with a 47-43 away win. Saifutinov took half a second off the previous mark set by Nick Morris in his first ride, and then proceeded to score a 12-point maximum in his first appearance at the Pidcock Motorcycles Arena at Beaumont Park in Leicester. The Witches had uh, domination of the race wins, taking the flag in all but four heats, with Jason Doyle adding 12 plus 2, and skipper Danny King with 11. Doyle also combining with youngster Kenyon Rue for a 5-1 in heat number 15. Richard Lawson top-scored for the Leicester Lions with 10 plus 1 bonus point, including two race wins, as they exited the competition by a 10 point aggregate margin Ipswich now facing Peterborough in the last four well let's hear now from uh, some of those involved and the Ipswich co-promoter Chris Louie speaking with Ryan Guest after that uh, overall win at the Leicester Lions well Chris Louie uh, a nice response first and foremost obviously having been beaten by Bellevue at Foxhall last Thursday to, to come to a, a Leicester team who've obviously assembled a, a nice looking septet for this year a, a nice response as I say uh, yeah very good because because um, as you say, you know, losing at home to Bellevue, um, 
was a bit of a blow, uh, particularly in the league. But um, you know, they're, they're they're a good bunch. We, we when we put it together, you know, um, it's no secret we're a bit top heavy. But we said that uh, the team, you know, with the likes of, of Keenan and obviously missing Eric again for another meeting. Uh, you know, we said we, we would take the first half of the season going to new tracks for, for a couple of the riders. Uh, take a little while to uh, get going, but um, no, really, really happy with this response. You know, the heads were down, um, not massively to be fair, after the home defeat, but um, they were down and picked themselves up tonight and a confidence boosting win, obviously, here and, and going through in the um, in the cup. Yeah, as you say, top three, uh, superb again, contributing the, the, the majority of the points. And um, I know we're speaking loads about him already. Emil Seifert, enough though, he's, his first ever trip to Leicester and uh, smashes the track record in his first race. Yeah, he had studied it on YouTube. <laughs> it seems to work. Um, yeah, that's the type of character he is. You know, Richie said when they walked the track that... Uh, you know, he commented that um, track looked fun, looked good, looked well prepared, and, and uh, he couldn't wait. And um, yeah, to go out and obviously break the track record in his very first race here was uh, quite impressive. Yeah, with the aggregate winning the the bag ahead of Heat 15, it uh, allowed Richie to, to put Keenan ruin as well in that one. And it had been a bit of a tough night. I know him and Danny got a, a bit too close for comfort in their first one. He had a, a big pile up in the original stage in a, of Heat 14, but him and Doyley worked superbly in that last race, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, look, Keenan had a really rough night. Um, um, obviously, you know, the race with, with Danny was unfortunate. Um, he made a couple of mistakes himself. He, he was in the wrong place, wrong time, particularly in, in his C14 crash. Uh, went down quite hard and I really felt sorry for him. So, big call from uh, Richie to put him in heat 15, but, you know, it proved absolutely the right move. Not, not, not because we got the 5-1, but because it gave uh, Keenan a, a good confidence boost in ride. I mean... He looked capable of doing that all night long. Like I said, it was just very small things. Yeah, and now on to, to Thursday, uh, back to Foxhall and, and Sheffield in town. And um, everyone was saying Sheffield and Ipswich, probably the, the two pre-season favourites. So uh, an interesting clash on Thursday night. Yeah, I think um, latter part of the season, I, I see us as, as one of the teams to beat. Um, we did say early early doors, we didn't think that would be the case. And you know, it proved against Bellevue last week. But yeah, you know, I, I see... Um, I see Sheffield and Bellevue as two very, very competitive sides. So it's going to be another tough night for us, but uh, obviously we'll take a little bit of uh, heart away from this one. I know we just heard from Damien Bates. We'll hear from him again soon, looking ahead to uh, Sheffield's clash uh, with Ipswich uh, later this week. That's coming up soon. Uh, right now, let's hear from Stuart Dixon, who was on the podcast just a couple of weeks ago. He said that he fancied Leicester would be competitive and keeping things as close as they did against Ipswich must give them heart for the future and how things are going so far. Here's Stuart Dixon speaking with Ryan Guest. Home defeat tonight and, and out of the, the knockout cup. How, how would you assess that one against Ipswich? Um, first of all, credit to Ipswich. I thought they rode very well. Um, any signs that Emil Saifudinov would maybe take a couple of races to figure out the Leicester track were quickly blown away when he got the track record in heat number four. Um, we, we threw away a couple of points, but I think I think the, the, the better team went through to the next round. We send a congratulations to them. From our point of view, disappointing to lose at home, something that we've not been used to since, since I came here. Uh, but... Um, you can see the class of Jason Doyle, Emil Saifudinov and um, Danny King had a good night as well. And um, They were they were a wee bit sharper at the starts than us most of the evening. Um, and I'm finding that these, these big boys are hard to pass when they make the gate on these uh, on the track. Uh, 
No complaints with the track-wise. Track rode well, the riders were happy, I think, both sides. But um, just, you know, unfortunately, we, we came up with a little short, um, even on the night, just to get the, just to get the, the home win. Yeah. Like you say, last Thursday against Peterborough in, in the opener as well, obviously track conditions. I know you were just happy to, to be able to get that one on in the end. So, realistically, this was kind of the, the, the first te- team meeting on, on conditions, how, how you ideally want them. Yes, I think so. Um, I don't think the riders were... Nobody said to us, oh, this needs change or that needs change. I think they realised we we never had... We're not many excuses. We never had a practice, a pressing practice day. The track last week was just... You know, it was mostly... It was more riding than it was racing. You know, whoever made the gate won the race. But um, we... We, d- we need to dust ourselves down and get ready for Bellevue. Uh, I believe they're winning handsomely at Peterborough right now as we speak. So um, another another not tough meeting. Uh, we knew it was going to be tough. Um, uh, we just need to collectively, all of us, uh, including myself and that, we need to up our game and get ready for Bellevue on Thursday. Yeah, and it must be nice to, to have a, a quick turnaround in home fixtures like that as well to bounce back. I think when you lose, you're always eager right, to try and get a match straight away. Um, but... Um, you know, Bellevue's confidence will be up. I think that's now a couple of away wins in a row. They're beginning to find a forum. And as I said, you know, I know they've got a couple of riders that's no road this track before, but it never it never caused any problems for a couple of Ipswich riders who'd never seen the track before. So we, as a team, need to up our game if we're going to take something out of the, the, the fixture on Thursday, yeah. Yeah, and next up on Thursday, as mentioned there, the Bellevue Aces, the visitors to the Pidcock Motorcycles Arena at Beaumont Park in Leicester, the Ipswich Witches versus the Sheffield Tigers. Um, Peterborough Panthers, of course, had a, a tricky night at the hands of the Bellevue Aces uh, on Monday night, and uh, it's been an extraordinary record, really, of success at Peterborough. A thumping 55-35 away win on Monday evening. The victory was the Aces' eighth in their last nine visits to the East of England Arena. Also their second win on the road in the space of five days to boost their Premiership prospects after a tricky start, of course, to the year. Let's hear from Hans Anderson first of all of the Peterborough Panthers. Very disappointing to not win home meetings, uh, but again, you got to remember, Bowie's come here on a high. They've just gone to Ipswich and won away there as well. And it's never been a secret day. They have riders who have a very big liking for this track. I mean, what was the problem early on? You could just seem to be slow out the gate and, you know, they were outgating it. Obviously, I don't know what was the problem early on because if I knew, we would have sold it quicker. But uh, you still got to remember, this is uh, still our, only our second time on track this season and, you know, some of us have, hasn't written a lot this season. So we're still trying various things and uh, trying to get uh, the right setup. People say, yeah, well, you wrote, people, you wrote this track before, yeah, but again, it's different. Yeah, I mean, I sat there with Ulrich Ostergaard, I mean, just that's it, you know, coming out of Ben 2 early on, people were picking up drip and losing the drive. Yeah, you know, track at the moment, you know, it's, it's very smooth and good, but uh, it, it doesn't seem to create the lines which we was used to the track creating, but, you know, track's the same for everyone, but it's always difficult when you're expecting something and it's not there. I mean, do you expect now you three away meetings coming up, but uh, you've got to go to Bellevue on Monday, so it's gonna, that's going to be a real tough task. But uh, confidently, you couldn't really put on a show there. Yeah, without a doubt, um, uh, we got riders who's really pretty good around Bellevue as well, and like Nils was super fast there in the Peter Craven not long ago. So um, yeah, we do. We we go there thinking we can win. Otherwise, there's no point of us going. But you must be pleased with your own form overall, especially at home, because. Uh, you know, a couple of good heat wins, good, good performances at the end. 
Yeah, it's been a, it's been all right. Uh, I would probably say I'm probably only at 60, maybe 70 knot at the moment because I still haven't, I still haven't been on my bike a lot this season. I just need more track time. And people say, well, I haven't been able to practice because well, weather's just been dreadful everywhere. Every time I've gone places, it's been raining a lot. You know, I've, I'm not in a, been in a position where I could actually go to Australia and ride through the through the winter, like some of these boys have. Well, if you're only 70 percent, then uh, we can really afford probably in three weeks' time when we're back here, you're up to 80, 90 percent, or perhaps even 100 percent. Probably, I'm hoping 100 percent. You can, like I said, I just need I just need track time. Uh, because I've not been on a bike a lot this season and it, it, I think it shows. I, I, I definitely don't feel like I'm riding the bike smooth enough. I should be a smoother on the bike, uh, but then again, time will tell. Uh, we just need more time on the bike. And again, I've got very various of confidence in this team. Uh, we have a good team and we just need more time on track. How big a blow was it to lose Nicky Peterson? That is a massive blow uh, to lose a rider of Nicky's calibre. Um, you know, he's a lot, uh, he can score, the, he's a point scoring machine, whether you like him or not, he's a point scoring machine and various of riders, they got a lot of respect, they might have even lost the race, just seen their way in the race with him. Was it the right thing to do, just after two bends, just to say I'm not riding anymore? Uh, I can't really comment on it, but you know, sometimes there's, a, there's always uh, two sides of a story and you know, sometimes you can't really tell the full truth. So there's Hans Anderson speaking uh, his point of view of things from the Peterborough Panthers camp. How about Mark Lemon? Things going pretty well for the Aces over the last uh, week or so and certainly going very well every time they visit the East of England arena. It's a rich hunting ground for the Aces. Here's Mark Lemon with Dave Rowe. Mark, well done. Obviously a trap that you know and like very well. Your record here over the years shows it. What an impressive all-round performance. Yeah, I mean, the boys have showed some real resolve after the early start of the season. Um, you know, maybe it was a little bit of a you know, championship hangover, but um, they definitely found their groove at the moment. And, um, you know, really solid performance by the whole group. Um, yeah, we do like this track, similar track, I suppose, in, uh, in the shape. But, you know, we, we came here and we hit them pretty hard. Um, obviously, you know, Peterborough a little bit depleted, but we made the most of it. Did you have words after last Monday? I didn't watch the meeting myself at Wolverhampton, but it wasn't a Bellevue performance looking at the scores. And then you, you hit back at Ipswich on Thursday. No, I pretty much told the boys just put a line under it. You know, Wolverhampton, no, we know Wolverhampton can actually you know, put in those results. You know, they're, they're a good team around the home track. Um, and they were very good. We were very poor. You know, we have to put your hands up sometimes and accept that. Um, but, you know, we addressed the situation going down at Ipswich and, you know, the boys responded uh, as professionally and as capable as I know they can. So I wasn't worried because we've got a good team. Um, when you've got good riders, uh, you know, more than capable, of, you, know, you know, what they ride to their abilities, you know, you're, you're always going to sort of be there or thereabouts. But it's just a matter of just following the processes and maybe we just got a little bit lost. And when you've got a reserve like Jamin Lids in, again, a track I'm sure he was looking forward to coming to, but 14 from five at reserve, that's a, that's a massive weapon to have. Yeah, whenever you get a reserve firing, it always helps. But, you know, like I said, the, the whole team really pitched in today. Um, you know, we got young Jake down at the rising start position. You know, there's, I saw some real progress in his, his actually riding, not so much his points. But, um, you know, it's, uh, there's a long way to go. But, yeah, I think looking promising at the moment. Pretty week away matches because you're at Leicester on Thursday as well. So another chance for away points, I guess. Well, that's the, the, the idea of the game is go and try and win as much as you can, um, pick up points on the road. Obviously, we, we lost a you know, home and away to Sheffield, which hurts. 
Um, but you know, it's, yeah, I'd rather lose me matches in the in March and April than uh, in September, October. Okay, so a win for the Bellevue Aces on the road, and another side heading out on the road are the Sheffield Tigers, who visit Foxhall Stadium. And as was mentioned uh, by Chris Louie earlier on, uh, Ipswich and Sheffield, two of the fancied sides for success, come the uh, reckoning later on this season. So they get their first chance to face off against each other. We've heard from him earlier talking about British Speedway as a whole. Let's hear from the co-promoter of the Sheffield Tigers, Damian Bates, speaking about Sheffield. Sheffield's prospects in their trip to Suffolk later this week. Well, Sheffield co-promoter Damien Bates after a, a bit of a break from action back at Foxhall against uh, Ipswich on Thursday. Um, first of all, Tobias Mushalak, obviously, it was a, um, a nasty incident for him, but uh, some good news on, on the operation front earlier this week. Yeah, it's never nice when you hear that a rider's um, injured or broke anything. And, um, you know, I know Toby will be absolutely gutted that he has crashed his missing meetings for for uh, his clubs in, uh, in England and also probably Poland. So I'm glad the operation went successful. Um, it's just a bit of recovery time now. So hopefully we should see him back in a, in a week or two, uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, and uh, certainly got a, a Foxhall track specialist uh, guesting on Thursday night. Yeah, we've got Scott in. Um, myself and Steady, we looked at options. Um, a few names we could look at and, you know, Scott always... No matter when or who always rides for, Scott always seems to deliver. So it were a bit of a no-brainer, really, to get Scotty back um, to help us out. Yep, and obviously Ipswich had made a, a solid start to the season and then uh, got beaten by Bellevue last time out at Foxhall. So um, going to be a, a pretty open meeting, it seems. Yeah, they, they, they obviously lost to Bellevue and, and obviously that'll be a bit of a... Probably a bit of a shock to him um, because you know it was it was a great result for Bellevue. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Um, fair play to Bellevue, um, but Leicester run Ipswich close um, the week before or the meeting before. Um, so yeah, I think Ipswich um, are beatable, um, but also when they've got uh, the riders have got in with Jason and Emil in their team, you can never never predict anything because you know that they are two class acts them and uh, we'll just go there we have every intention of of doing his best and, and hopefully we can uh, get a win yeah and it might be very early doors but nevertheless uh, early signs got to be happy as uh, as promoter of sheffield with the, the performances so far yeah i am to be fair um i've built team this year um you know i wanted to keep the core of the team with with jack um kyle adam and toby um, Louis coming at end of year and it was it was really good for us so that was a bit of a no-brainer when when Louis has to come back um, and then obviously we've got David which you know I've I've it's no secret I've chased him for the last three or four year to try and ride for me and he's agreed this year because I feel his average is a steal um, and he's proving already you know that he's he's finding his feet again he's pulling in some big um, big performances for us. Um, winning key races and and you know he's an all he's an all round good guy to have in pits as well. So and and uh, I think the team's built from one to seven and, and young Dan at um, reserve. He's, he'd never rode Sheffield before. Um, did have a big crash on Sunday, uh, uh, last Thursday. Sorry. So um, he's got that out of way. He knows how how much it hurts when you crash at Sheffield. But I think that'll make him a stronger rider. And I'm, I'm more than happy with one to seven. I've got and. I think it's a match for anybody's one to seven, to be honest. 
So there is Damien Bates, the co-promoter of the Sheffield Tigers. Sheffield on the road to Foxhall as the Ipswich Witches face Sheffield Thursday night, 7.30 the start time there at Foxhall with uh, Scott Nichols, part of that great Ipswich 98 team racing for the Sheffield Tigers in place of Tobias Musilak. And for Leicester, it's uh, Leicester Lions uh, hosting the Bellevue Aces Thursday night, also at 7.30. Then the next Premiership action of course will be on Monday and it's Wolves versus Leicester uh, a Midlands derby East Midlands versus West Midlands 7.30 the start time at Monmore and uh, many people can turn out there to show the support for uh, Wolves of course that would uh, certainly be making a statement and it's the Bellevue Aces versus the Peterborough Panthers on Monday night as well at the National Speedway Stadium uh, that fixture will be live on BSN as well so that's your Premiership action for the next week or so uh, in the next part of No Breaks No Fear we'll turn our attention to uh, some action in the Championship of course uh, last weekend it was the Berwick Bandits hosting the Glasgow Tigers. It was a rampant win for Glasgow in the BSN series and uh, Berwick have uh, got a busy weekend home and away against Edinburgh this coming weekend and uh, we'll also uh, spotlight uh, a little bit on uh, Jack Thomas. Get an update from him. Of course suffered some bad injuries before the start of the season which cost him his place with uh, the Pool Pirates at at this stage of the season and also with Ipswich and uh, an update from Jack Thomas coming up in part three of No Breaks No Fear. No brakes, no fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome back to No Brakes, No Fear, the official podcast of British Speedway. Right now, let's get an update on Jack Thomas, who, of course, uh, a rider who was looking forward to uh, a massive season, really, with uh, both uh, Ipswich and Poole. And he's been given a positive update on his recovery from a serious back injury and serious neck injuries that he sustained in a practice at Scunthorpe on the very eve of the season and faced a nervous wait before discovering the full extent of the damage, which included two unstable vertebrae. Let's hear now from Jack Thomas himself for an update, speaking to Mike Boswell from Gen X Radio in Suffolk. Jack, great to see you at the track here at Ipswich tonight. Just give us a rundown of how you're doing and the kind of latest on your situation. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing really good now. I'm starting to get about. Um, was given good news off Hull um, at my last checkup, saying that they're happy enough that my my spinal breaks are all stable. Um, so yeah, starting to make my way about and uh, regain all my fitness I can. And then uh, having another checkup on the 4th of May to see where we stand for the next one. And sort of, I know the fans have uh, all kind of rallied around. Has that been helpful to you? Yeah, the fans and everyone's help with my GoFundMe page has been absolutely unreal. Um, as without it, I would have been in a total muddle. Um, when I tried to claim on my insurances, they all uh, kind of wiggled their ways out of it for reasons. So, no, um, really appreciate everyone's support and the help has been unbelievable. And just from this side, obviously you've just been in the Switch match tonight, just how frustrating is it to be the other side of the fence and wanting to participate potentially? Yeah, no, I've, I've been to both the matches at home now and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally gutted. It's a lot of prep and a lot of time over the, the winter getting ready for it and I really wanted to make this season mine. Um, but yeah, it's just unfortunate, but I'll still be about as much as I can to support the boys until I can ride. And of course this year was an important year because it was your last year uh, really to be able to get one of the, the 
reserve spots, as it were. Yeah, um, so Rising Stars, the 23 is the age cap, and sadly I'll be 24 this month, and um, would have been my last season to actually kind of push on as a Rising Star and try and get myself settled in in the main body somewhere. Well, look, Jack, good luck. We'll keep an eye on you, and thanks so much. Thank you. Jack Thomas of the Ipswich Witches and the Pool Pirates there with Mike Boswell from Gen X Radio. Good to hear that uh, he's heading in the right direction. It's going to be a long road to full recovery, of course, but uh, he's uh, going to get there sooner than later, all being well. Let's turn our attention then to the Cab Direct Championship and a quick roundup of everything that's been happening. Um, first of all, the Glasgow Tigers. They look set to secure qualification for the BSN Series semi-finals after a thumping 51-38 win at Berwick on Saturday. Benjamin Barrett Asso scored an 18-point maximum for the Tigers, who had been on course for a home win over the Bandits before rain interrupted proceedings 24 hours earlier. We can hear now from Chris Harris and Klaus Vissing speaking to Greg Blair on BSN. Surprising, really, that I was coming out the corners, my bikes felt a bit flat, so it wasn't coming off the corner how I would like it. So we made a few changes, but sort of nothing, everything we did changed didn't work. But I felt good out there, I felt fast, it's just, um, yeah... Disappointed dropping a couple of points, but that's just a race for me. And the the track was it a lot different to what you were used to at Berwick last year? Yeah, I think it was a lot heavier a bit last year, and the starts was a bit more grippier. But um, yeah, obviously their first meeting here, so um, if that's how they're going to run it, then obviously hopefully it works for them. But tonight, it sort of uh, played in dry hands really, and um, yeah, the whole team very well tonight, especially Ben. You know, he's had to say tough start to the season. It was good to see him bounce back and uh, bag a few points. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, close. You've had a. I'll just pop that down a little bit. It gets a little bit interference there. That's perfect. Thank you. Um, good night for yourself. Uh, did you enjoy the? Did you enjoy the meeting? Yeah, it was a good meeting. Uh, I was talking a bit out of the start, so I was probably had, had a hard time to start with, um, and managed to just make something in my last one. Uh, it's a shame with that one where I got excluded, but there you go. The one that you did get uh, excluded in. Do you think that was the right decision? When I look at it afterwards, I thought he was turning left at me as well. But I do, I, I do, I do, do know him really well. So obviously, I was looking and hoping that he was going to catch it. And I took my arm up up the straight. And if I think, but if I carried on and didn't even look, I maybe been in it again. But there you go. Yeah, that's it. It's just racing at the end of the day, and you can all shake hands and have a laugh about yeah, it afterwards. Exactly, yeah. But no, you've had a, uh, both of us have had an absolute tremendous night, uh, and it was great to see you going so well on a track that maybe wasn't as good as what it usually is. Uh, it, obviously, like Chris says, it's, it's their first home meeting. Um, it looks like they put a lot of material on it, and it's probably a little bit looser than they're expecting it to be. Um, but I, by the end of it, it actually came out pretty well. It's a big weekend this weekend in the Scottish group of the BSN series with Glasgow already in command of things and Berwick and Edinburgh racing each other home and away in that Scottish section. Gary Flint is looking for a reaction from his side when they head to Armadale on Friday with the return leg back at Shieldfield Park on uh, Saturday. The Bandits were shocked, of course, to go down by 13 points at home to Glasgow and an improvement required. Meanwhile, for Edinburgh, the boss uh, Alex Harkin is wary of the threat provided by a wounded Berwick side when the teams meet this weekend. Uh, The Monarchs won their home opener against Glasgow but lost out on the aggregate points at Ashfield, meaning that uh, they need a major return when they take on the Bandits. Looking at the Pool Pirates then, uh, Pool skipper Steve Worrell feels his side should be stronger than rivals Plymouth. They need to prove it on the track though. The sides are set for several meetings in the early part of 
the season and they are in the same BSN series group and face each other this Wednesday. Here is Steve Worrell. If I look down the list of teams, that's probably the one that would worry me the most coming here. Richie, he used to ride for the Pirates. Um, you know, he knows his way around here. He's very good. Ben Barker, if you know, if, if the Ben Barker who is on his game, you know, bikes are working well, he could come here and score a hatful as well. So you, know, you just take them guys and there's there's some good riders there just straight away. But I feel like we, we do have the edge on it, you know, you if you line them up, they have the faults, just like we do, but I feel like we've we've got the upper hand. Scunthorpe Scorpions, meanwhile, have started the season without key reserve Zane Kennedy, who was injured in Australia on the eve of the campaign. But promoter Rob Godfrey still hopeful that Kennedy could still be seen in Scorpions colours this season. Rob Godfrey said it's a massive, massive blow to lose Zane. There's no denying that. And uh, trying to come up with an adequate replacement at this stage has been almost impossible. Elsewhere, Birmingham finally get their season up and running when they host Scunthorpe in the BSN series at Perry Bar on Wednesday with the return for fixture set for the Eddie Wright Raceway 48 hours later. The third team in the Northern Group, Redcar, are inactive until April 26th as their home match against the Brummies was postponed last weekend. Meanwhile, Oxford make a second attempt to host a Swindon select on Wednesday, having been frustrated by the weather last month before they face Edinburgh in the Knockout Cup next week. Well, looking at the fixtures coming up then over the course of the next seven days in the Cab Direct Championship, uh, we have the action at Pool Stadium Wimborne Road, the Pool Pirates versus the Plymouth Gladiators in the BSN series. We've also got that challenge match as well at Oxford. Oxford Cheaters versus the Swindon Robins at 7.30. And then BSN series action continues at uh, Perry Bar, Birmingham versus the Scunthorpe Scorpions, uh, as we mentioned just before. And then they have the return on Friday. Also that day, the Edinburgh Monarchs take on the Berwick Bandits at Armadale. And then it's the return leg uh, just 24 hours later back at Shieldfield Park on Saturday a 7 o'clock tapes up there and uh, that really rounds things up pretty much for the championship uh, except for the following Tuesday the Plymouth Gladiators hosting the Pool Pirates in the uh, championship knockout cup quarterfinals those two sides are going to be meeting quite a lot over the course of the next few weeks as things uh, get going in the Cab Direct championship and uh, your live action which uh, will all be on BSN over the course of this uh, next week we've got uh, Pool Pirates versus Plymouth Gladiators on Wednesday Friday it will be the Edinburgh Monarchs versus the Berwick Bandits and uh, then from the Premiership it's the Bellevue Aces versus the Peterborough Panthers on BSN Uh, the Eurosport action gets underway on the 22nd of May by the way that's the date for your diary 22nd of May it'll be uh, Leicester versus Sheffield the first fixture on uh, Eurosport incidentally when things get going in uh, May and then the idea is it's going to be three weeks on one week off um, as uh, Eurosport still have to com- uh, accommodate some other sporting action as well but um, once Eurosport get going they should be pretty regular on a Monday and that uh, rounds up the championship side of things let's just cast our eye to the National League briefly because uh, there was some action um, over the course of the last weekend and uh, Mildenhall through to the Knockout Cup final for a second season running after an emphatic aggregate win over Kent. Alfie Botel, Lee Complin and Ben Trigger were all unbeaten by an opponent in a 60-29 victory at West Row on Sunday. Let's hear it from the team boss Jason Gardiner and then after that we'll hear from Alfie Botel. So Mike Boswell from Gen X Radio Suffolk talking with Jason Gardiner. Jason, 
do your take on the match and, you know, you're through to the next round of the Knockout Cup. Yeah, we're through to the actual grand final now, which is really pleasing. Um, Kent obviously had a bit of bad luck. We know how they feel. We used to have a lot of that last year, but all our teams stuck in. They attacked the tr- track, did their job, and very pleased with the whole team performance. And just uh, midway through, I saw you bring the team together. What sort of things were you trying to get out of the team and trying to give the direction? Just making sure they're all happy, passing on little bits of track knowledge to each other and just carrying on cheering them up, reminding them they're doing a good job and just to finish, finish a job off sort of thing. And sort of, we look forward to the next one here at home. Barrick, you know, what's your thoughts on that team and you know, how the team are doing, in, in all honesty, as well? Really pleased with how we've settled in. We've had three solid meetings as a team, a great bunch of riders in terms of team spirit. Um, and a lot of them are riding really well, but some of them were only going to get better as well. So um, Berwick in two weeks' time is strong opposition. They've got Connor Coles, who wrote, rides this track really well. And they've also got Danny Phillips and um, Greg Blair, who both like this track as well. So Berwick will be strong opposition, but the way our boys are riding with confidence, no, see, right, no reason why we can't finish it up with another win again. And sort of just looking down the team, you know, we do look down at Alfie Purcell, Ben Trigger had a good night, say Lee, Lee Complin. When you've got those kind of fine, it, it must make it a little bit easier on the team management side. Yes, definitely. Yeah, a lot better than last year. And when you've got riders like Botel and Complin who are going to win, go out and get five ones, it take, takes the pressure off and you, you can give the, the reserves all their rides and they can go out and just enjoy themselves and whatever they get is a bonus. Um, yeah, enjoying my time here at Mildenhall and all the boys are firing, so happy days. And just to start off with, track looked a bit tricky, was it? Or, or was it just a little bit of rough rough bends, as it were? Yeah, no, track was definitely a bit hairy, um, but you just sort of had to ride with your head a bit and sort of know like, sort of know how to ride them conditions. Obviously, it catches everyone out, even myself, but you just got to attack it, I suppose. And looking, obviously, you're doing, Premier, you're doing National League and you're doing Championship. What's the difference between the two? Oh, it's a big jump up. It's all about the elbows in the first corners. Um, so you've got to be aggressive in that league. So no, it helps, definitely. And how are you feeling your season started? I know we're just at the start of it, but you know, I'm, I'm seeing good scores here. Yeah, no, definitely happy with how it started. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, happy how it's going. So just want to keep on being consistent and uh, see how we go throughout the year. And just as, as we go on you know you're riding against Lee how, how are you finding that as such good pairing so far by the looks of it yeah definitely me and Lee like, we both get on on and off the track so um, we've got respect for each other um, yeah no so um, so you just got around obviously Lee's a big guy an aggressive guy so you just got to hold your own and uh, enjoy it do you know what I mean so it's just yeah enjoying it and there's Alfie Botel speaking with Mike Boswell from Gen X Radio. Before that, Jason Gardner, the uh, team manager of the Mildenhall Fen Tigers, after they bagged their place in the Knockout Cup final in the National League for the second successive season. Uh, elsewhere in the National Development League, the Berwick Bullets should have two of their injured riders back for their next NDL fixture. Winter signing Archie Freeman faces a longer recovery period. He suffered a broken leg just 18 seconds into his Bullets' debut at Bellevue on Good Friday, uh, unavoidably collected by teammate Connor Coles after losing power off the fourth bend. Uh, Gary Flint says, obviously, Archie faces a long recovery period. Mason Watson, Josh Josh Embleton should be back on board by the time the uh, Bullets visit Mildenhall at the end of the month. And the Edinburgh Monarchs Academy made a strong start to their home NDL campaign, a 50-40 win over the Bellevue Colts with their heat leaders in fine form. Adam Roynan scoring a 12-point maximum. Kyle Bickley 
dropping just one point and Jacob Hook also in double figures against the Colts. Uh, elsewhere, uh, a special mention for Workington youngster Luke Harrison, who faces a layoff for a while after crashing in an amateur meeting on Sunday. Uh, he was set to make his full-time NDL debut this season with the Comets. He's receiving treatment for two broken vertebrae, a broken shoulder and bruising to the lungs. So best wishes to Luke Harrison. It was just a and a you know, freak accident that uh, that happened there in uh, what was basically a, a practice session uh, in a, an amateur meeting on Sunday and uh, not uh, the way that he would be hoping his season would go. So best wishes to uh, Luke Harrison. OK, looking at the fixtures then, as we've already mentioned, BSN Series, Birmingham, Birmingham v Scunthorpe, Poole versus Plymouth on Wednesday, April 19th, Oxford versus Swindon in that select side uh, again at 7.30 in that challenge match on Wednesday. Thursday, April 20th, Premiership action. It's Ipswich versus Sheffield, 7.30. Leicester versus Bellevue at 7.30. Friday, BSN Series in the Cab Direct Championship. Edinburgh versus Berwick at 7.30. That fixture will be live on BSN. Scunthorpe versus Birmingham at 7.30. That uh, will be streamed by Scunthorpe's own live streaming on their website. Saturday, more BSN Series action with the Berwick Bandits hosting the Edinburgh Monarchs in the return leg, 7 o'clock at Shieldfield Park. And then on Monday, back to Premiership action as uh, the Bellevue Colts take on the Peterborough Panthers. Uh, that fixture live on BSN, Wolverhampton versus Leicester. And in the Knockout Cup, it's uh, Kings Lynn versus Sheffield in the second leg of that tie um, and then on Tuesday BSN series uh, comes to uh, the Coliseum it's uh, the Plymouth Gladiators versus the Pool Pirates at 7 o'clock and that uh, covers your next week ahead thanks for joining us of course keep up to date with everything happening across British Speedway on social media just check out the official British Speedway social media channels for all the news that you need uh, first any changes but hopefully we're looking forward to a week of decent weather fingers crossed and lots of speedway to get uh, involved with and hopefully you can make it down there in person especially if you're in the area of wolves of course get yourself down to, to monmore and um, and show people that uh, there is a big demand for speedway in the area and it's it's about more than just the racing as well because it's a, as was mentioned it's a huge part of the the community too in uh, in in uh, that part of the world uh, thanks for joining us. My thanks to Dave Rowe and to Ryan Guest, as always, for their contributions. Also to Mike Boswell, uh, to anybody else uh, who uh, have uh, missed off. Uh, but thanks to you most of all for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday for the next episode of No Breaks, No Fear. No Breaks, No Fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.